This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Welcoming your phone calls and text messages about lawns and gardens. Which and we should snow. See, and snow. <laughs> Julie Weisenhauer is back with us from the University of Minnesota. Good morning. Nice to see Good you morning. again. Yeah. Well, what was it last time you were here? Was it, it's 30 degrees <laughs> now, but you thought it might have been a minus 30. Maybe minus 30. I don't <laughs> quite know. A difference. It's changed quite a bit. But we are getting a little moderating moderation in the temperatures this, this coming week. And I would hope, if not assume, that we might even see our yards one of these days. I mean, it well, may take a while. <laughs> Maybe where you cut the uh, the habit trails through your yard for your dogs or something, you might see a little bit but, of the grass coming up. But, but I don't our, know. Our friends, Julie, as you know, by the yard, uh, outdoor furniture, by the yard.net, they sponsor the show every week, and we appreciate that local, that family run business called By the Yard. What the heck are we going to talk about with 30 degrees on this Saturday? We are going to talk about what to do right now. And out at the Arboretum next weekend on the 16th of March is the uh, Get Growing, a day of garden workshops. And I was just looking at the schedule. I am, What's that I'm about? Gonna, well, I'm going to actually be in Perham, Minnesota, so uh, speaking at a horticulture day. So I can't be there, which is a bummer, but a lot of my colleagues and friends are going to be there. Um, there's seed starting classes and bulbs mm. and... Uh, how to um, how to take care of your plants and how to choose things and it's going to be uh, it's going to be great. I you mean, don't have to be a master kind of, gardener. To no, attend this. you can go. I'm just going to look at the schedule. You can find it on the Arboretum site, and it's things about uh, Pete Moe's going to give a special tour of the back kind of the back scenes of the Arboretum. Mm. Uh, getting your questions answered. Master gardeners will be there. Five steps to fabulous soil by my colleague Ann Sawyer, who's a uh, Extension educator in food safety. She's also a master gardener, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tim Kenny, our uh, program leader for horticulture, is going to be teaching about um, about uh, bulbs. Uh, Annie Claude's going to be talking about starting seeds, and it's it's going to be a great day. So you can still register. There's still room. Uh, again, it's next Saturday on March 16th. Week from today. Week from today. Very good. We've cleared the lines. If you have uh, any kind of a lawn or garden question for Julie, now is your chance. Call it in at 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. Uh, I know we're going to get a, a bunch of calls, if not text messages, about pruning. We always do anyway. Yeah, that's a that's a popular. It's Now is the time of, of the year to prune your fruit trees. And mm. those include your crabapple trees, too, even your ornamentals. So... Yeah, we have on our Yard and Garden News, which is our blog on our extension.umn.edu site, 
Uh, you can watch three videos, a great series of videos by Annie, uh, who is our extension educator in fruit and veg, on how to prune your apple trees. So, uh, What about oaks? Oaks can be pruned now, too, okay, up until still. April. Okay. Yep, we have a few oh, more good. weeks there. And uh, you might have to dig your way over to your tree. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, but it would be worth it. And apple trees need to be pruned every year. So even if you're thinking, well, I'm going to skip this year because the snow is so deep, you, you really should get out there and, and uh, prune those trees now. All right. Again, our phone number, 651-989-9226. Or if it's easier, send Julie a text, 81807. Here's one. I generally prune my shrubs this time of year, but can't, like you suggested, yeah. can't get to them because of the snow. I will be gone the last week of March. Is April 1st too late? Shrubs are red uh, twig dogwood, a black chokeberry. Is it chokeberry? Chokeberry. Yes. And Wentworth viburnum. You can prune those. Uh, you know, those are all spring bloomers. So, well, the dogwood isn't. That's a little bit later. But you can prune those anytime. Uh, you can wait till you can do that when you come back. And it'll be easier. I mean, you know, we're just going to have to kind of flex and adjust as master gardeners do in Minnesota with the weather and the snow amounts. But, um, but yeah, you can prune those when you get back. That's fine. Might cut down on some of the blossoms a little bit, but, um, but that's okay. Okay. Uh, let's see another. Uh, please talk about pruning raspberry bushes. Okay, Thanks. so raspberries uh, are oftentimes there's uh, primal canes, which fruit uh, they're the first year, and then there's the uh, the canes the next year. So you'll see your fruiting canes this year, um, and uh, and and once those fruit, then they die. And so those are the canes you're going to actually be pulling up or taking down this year. And when the snow melts and you can see the plants, then you want to go in and look for those live canes. And these are going to be the canes. They were probably the longest canes last year and all foliage, no fruit. Uh, those are going to be the fruit-bearing canes this year. So uh, so when you your patch is open, go out there, look for those canes that are really loose and they're dry. Sometimes you can just pull them right out of the ground. Just thin those out, and then you can head back or cut back the canes, uh, the other canes, uh, to probably, oh, I don't know, 18 to 24 inches high. And you want to cut them just above a, a good-sized bud, and you'll be able to see those. And uh, and you want to just cut those back and then do a little bit of fertilizing in the spring, you know, when the soil warms up and uh, get those plants ready to go. Mulching is also helpful with uh, with raspberries as well as it holds the moisture in the soil and uh, and also kind of keeps them tidy and cleaned up. Okay. All right, let's go to the phones, Julie. Linda's been waiting there for uh, a question. Uh, Linda, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, hi. I have, I have about a young, about a three-year-old walnut tree that's start growing, and I want to cut it down, take it out, and I'm wondering what I need to do to the soil so I can grow things there. I want to make a pollinator garden. Okay. Well, there's nothing There's nothing you can do. You're talking about the juglone, and the juglone is a, a compound that's emitted by all the parts of the black walnut tree. Uh, and this tree is, um, so it's going to be in the roots. And there's nothing you can do to the soil. You can't change the roots. You can't treat it. Uh, you're going to have to look for plants that can grow under and around a black walnut tree, even after you've cut it down. And I don't know how long it takes uh, for that to, it's, you know, the stuff has to completely break down in the soil. 
So we have a good publication. You can Google it. It's called The Best Plants for 30 Tough Sites. And on that, in that publication is a page on uh, plants that will grow under and around black walnut trees. You can also Google that in general and probably come up with other good university extension publications on the same topic. So there are plants that will grow there, and I, th- I kind of have a feeling that the pollinator-friendly plants are not going to be phased by the juglone, by the black walnut uh, chemicals. So take a look at that, and good luck with that. What does that juglone do? Is it like an acid? Well, it's called a leliopathy, and uh, some plants have this. It's kind of like a, a competition, a resiliency. It, 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 it puts it out, and it's a survival technique. It prevents certain plants from growing around or ah. near it. They don't do well. Uh, my friend Don Olson, who lives up on the North Shore now, had, was trying to grow tomatoes near a black walnut tree, and he could not could grow not these tomatoes. And he couldn't figure out why. And, and that was one of my questions is, do you have a black walnut? He goes, I've got a beautiful black walnut. <laughs> and I said, well, keep it, but don't grow your tomatoes there. Put them in pots. And that's uh, that's one of the plants that's sensitive to that, that juggle. about that? Yeah. 651-989-9226 if you want to call in your lawn or garden question or text it at 81807. Sharon is calling in from uh, Eden Prairie, I believe. Sharon, you're on with Julie. Good morning. Good morning. What a challenge we have ahead of us today, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Julie, I wanted to know, I have about, um, it's a 10-foot burning bush. Okay. I should almost say it's a tree. Euonymus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I wanted to know when and how much I could possibly trim it back. Uh, Well, we usually recommend about a third of the way and primarily because if you take too much off of it, sometimes it can kind of knock the plant back a little bit in its development and its leafing. So what I would do is uh, when you can get out to that tree or that shrub, whatever you want to call it, I would uh, I would just take a look at it and I would think about a third of it and you could take uh, some of the branches down. I'm assuming it's a little bit tall maybe and uh, take those branches back and you always want to prune that at a at a juncture where uh, the branches, where two branches meet, so that, uh, and just, you know, trim it back to that point so that that remaining branch that you leave becomes kind of the the main branch then, and uh, versus just hacking it off in the middle of a branch. And so uh, do that and just kind of uh, go for, shoot for about a third of the plant, no more than that, maybe even a quarter, depending on, you know, depending on how it looks. And stand back, make some cuts, stand back, take a look, stand back, take a look, and uh, and that should probably help. All right. Very good. We need to take a quick break here, Julie, so don't go away. We have textures we want to catch up on. If you want, again, call in your lawn and garden question, 651-989-9226. Or, again, text number is 81807. When we come back, we'll pick up on some of those text messages. Uh, The winter storm warning goes into effect at noon today till 7 a.m. tomorrow. Mike Lynch will join us in a matter of minutes to update this uh, forecast for the next, well, the rest of the weekend for that matter. So stay with us. And good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Garden Show, a lawn and garden show, a smart garden. We call it thanks to our friends at By the Art for sponsoring this. If you're just joining us, thank you for doing so. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is with us, answering your questions again by phone or by text. We've got a ton of text messages, right. which is not unusual. But Karen in St. Paul has been waiting on the horn. Uh, Karen, thank you. What's your question? 
Oh, good morning, and thank you. Good morning. I I have two Hansa shrub roses planted at my condo here. Okay. And I, they're getting very gangly, and I want <laughs> to know when and how I should uh, prune them. So once the snow melts and you can see the whole plant, uh, you want to look for the point at which the canes uh, are green and then turn brown. And that brown is, is winter kill. So oh. oftentimes uh, it'll be the canes that are above the snow line. And okay. so you might have a fair amount of, uh, you know, fair amount of uh, shrub rose to work with this year uh, yeah. based on the snow. And, uh, and, and so anything brown and woody looking is going to be, um, is going to be that winter kill. So you want to prune back just about a quarter of an inch into the green tissue. So uh, let's say you've got 12 inches of green on the bottom of the shrub and then it turns brown. So you want to just take, just cut right where it's a little bit into that green tissue. And that will give you uh, some healthy canes to start with for the spring. Hope that was helpful. Yeah, thank you, Karen. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Let's grab a text or two here. Uh, you and I were talking about this one. I have an ice dam right above a perennial border. I'd like to use the ice melting products. I assume oh, he or she dam. means those salt yeah. pucks yeah. Uh, on the roof. But I'm afraid salt the runoff will salt uh, pucks. Well, that's kind of looks that's what like they call. It. it looks like a hockey puck, but it's white. <laughs> Uh, will harm the plant. Uh, yeah, that's what the concern. You think it may? I think it will. Um, it, you know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, part of me says it will run down your gutter. Maybe <laughs> it depends how much ice dam is in your gutter. I'm assuming if it's like my gutter on my south side of my house, it's packed with ice. Um, but it will. Yeah, that salt going into the soil is going to do something to uh, probably affect the plants down below. And the only thing to do is uh, if you absolutely have to use those products for the ice dam removal in order to save your roof, for example, you could um, you could do a couple things. You could cover that area with a tarp until um, that ice dam is melted and that's the stuff has run off and, and direct that tarp a different direction than at your plant. So you could do that. You could also, uh, if you can't do that for some reason – you could be sure that as soon as that soil is thawed out is to flush it with clean water. Now, that's going to be tricky because we have had such cold temperatures in January uh, and earlier this winter uh, that we may have quite a bit of frost in our, in our uh, soil right now. And so any watering on it is going to be difficult to get it to saturate in there. So that's going to be kind of you're going to have to goes when things thaw out. But I guess if you absolutely have to have to use that ice product, uh, ice melt product, then I would cover that area with a tarp. Good idea. And just leave it covered. It's not going to hurt the plants. They they haven't come up yet. And just leave it there and wait until that ice melts and it's gone. All right. Thank you, Julie. And thank you, Texter. We're going to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go. So call in your question or send a text as usual for uh, for Julie. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show, brought to us by By the Yard Maintenance Free Outdoor Furniture. Visit them at bytheyard.net. If you're just joining us, Julie Weisenhorn is back with us from the University of Minnesota. You had mentioned earlier, Julie, and I, I, I wanted to say yes, that, what is it, 30 
best sites for oh, tough best plants for best, thirty tough. That's sites. a great publication. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, you can uh, download it online. It's a PDF, and uh, it has everything from al- plants for alkaline. So they're all lists of plants mm-hmm. that are suited to a particular tricky spot. It was written actually for the thirtieth anniversary of the Master Gardener program, so it's like fifteen years old. Oh, it is. But it's still a great reference. Mary was one of the lead authors on it and kind of coordinated. She was a state director at the time. And, uh, boy, it, it's a great go-to. It's a thin book. Uh, you can buy the book at the Arboretum Bookstore, at the uh, Minnesota uh, University of Minnesota bookstores, too, or online. Uh, but you can download it, too. And, it's yeah, it's a great reference. Real, It's always on my shelf, quick, you know. Pull it down, take a look at what some of the recommendations are. Excellent. And again, how do, what is it called? The the Best Plants for 30 Tough Sites. All right. Uh, you want to call in or text in your lawn or garden question. We have a bunch of those text messages yeah, we should probably help that. out. With a graduation party in June, somebody's thinking, ahead. well, not too a, far This ahead. person's a planner. How do I get the brown grass from road salt all winter to green up faster? Also, pet spots to green up faster, too. Thank you. So in both of those cases, uh, uh, well, the pet spots, you, as you found out, no doubt, you can't do anything about the pet spots except for scratching up that soil, uh, you know, loosening it up, and then reseeding. That's all you can do. There's nothing you can feed your dogs unless you follow that dog around with a hose and dilute that urine. There's nothing to do about it. There's been an awful lot of research, particularly down at uh, Iowa State University on that. So just scraping up, get rid of the dead grass and scrape that up and put down some seed is the way to go. Choose a mixture that is best matched to the current grass that you have. So if you have a Kentucky bluegrass mix and it's full sun, then choose that kind again. You don't want to go and get an annual rye that's a quick grower but will look completely different from the rest of your lawn. It will just be another kind of a spot. Hmm. As far as the road salt goes, uh, that road salt is going to be in the soil. And that area is likely to be, because it's by a road, is likely to be fairly compacted. So in the spring, again, you're going to want to scrape up that soil, loosen it up, and then reseed it. Or if you're so inclined, you could use sod, but the sod isn't going to meld into the rest of your, you know, blend into the rest of your lawn very well. In the fall, uh, I would recommend getting an aerator and doing some aeration, uh, which is a core aerator. It pulls cores of soil out, dumps them onto your um, under your lawn, and helps to loosen compaction. The reason the fall is the best recommendation for that is because the weed seeds are not going to be germinating like they are in the spring. And then overseed it with a good uh, mix appropriate to the site. And and as Sam, uh, you know, my buddy would tell you from Bauer Turf, he uh, he also also recommends that you get what you pay for when it comes to seed. Yeah. And so you want to definitely buy some high-quality seeds. So do that in the fall. But in the spring, you can do the same thing with the spots. Just rough it up, put down some seed that's appropriate for that space. If I'm not mistaken, I think, and you're right about what Sam would recommend, uh, that, that I, I may have seen it at Bachman's, that they sell, among other things, a, uh, a grass seed that's kind of impervious to, to, to the salt for those areas. Yes, yeah, it's suitable to have salty you seen that areas. Too? I have seen okay. that, too. It's a mixture of species. Probably fescues okay. are in that. The other thing, too, is you can buy also a, 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 a kind of a seed fertilizer mixture that you add water to, and you can put it out there. It's kind of green-colored, yeah. and you can sprinkle that out there as well. That's actually not such a bad idea because it has a carrier with it, and that will help uh, – 
lessen the chance that birds are going to be picking up all Good your point. seed that you just spent all that money on. <laughs> Good point. So somebody's planning a grad party. Yeah, all yeah. Right. All right, i tell you what, let's uh, go back to the phones uh, quickly. Dwayne is calling from Chanhassen. Hi, Dwayne. Hey, good morning. 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 Um, we have a couple Christmas cactuses, and one of them looks really good, and the other one looks okay, but the leaves get really droopy. Okay. And wondering what's the best light and water for those. Well, the they're they're not too fussy about water, except too much water. And okay. I'm wondering if that one that's kind of droopy is actually not draining very well. Okay. And I would recommend taking that plant and repotting it and putting it okay. in some, you can just buy an all-purpose potting soil from right. your garden center and make sure that it's in a pot with a good set of holes in it. And then when you okay. water those plants, uh, you, want it, you want them to be pretty dry to the touch and then put them in right. the sink and water them, allow them to drain. And then if you have them in, a, say, a decorative bowl or something, you can put them back into that pot. Alrighty, appreciate it. Thanks. You All bet. right, Dwayne, thank you. Yeah, have a great day. You too, you too, thank you. Thanks. Don't forget to turn your clocks ahead one hour. Oh my gosh, I have to remember that. Daylight I saving forget. time. Thank goodness for my phone. <laughs> automatically does, <laughs> that does it. That's true. <laughs> uh, text, by the way, text number 81807. Let's grab a bunch of those. Having one uh, or uh, of two ash trees taken down, I've been told one tree has ash borer, the other is not affected. Each tree's canopy touches each other. I've been told I can treat the second tree for ash borer. How are effective our treatments for that? Well, the treatments are effective. They are an ongoing cost, and so you have to just weigh uh, the cost against losing the tree. And to lose a mature tree in your yard is a big deal. It changes your entire landscape, and trees add so much to our environment, to improving the environment. They also add shade, which cools our uh, ambient temperatures around us, and they add property value. So if it's a healthy, good-looking ash, uh, I would say get a certified arborist in there to take a look at you. Probably, apparently, you probably already have one because you're having a tree taken down and they've already analyzed it. And uh, and I would definitely, I think I would probably treat that tree. If it's a beautiful tree and you love that tree and it's in a you know good location, uh, just because of the fact that, that if you're going to keep it, chances are you got to fend off that EAB because your other tree had it. So... Mm-hmm. But a certified arborist can uh, can give you more information on how much that's going to cost. It's going to be an I think it's every other year you treat it. Uh, they have different programs. You can check with them on that. All right, very good. Texter wants to know: Is it too late in the season to trim an elm tree? No, I th- I think uh, the trees are dormant right now. This would be okay to trim your elm tree right now. Okay. Yes. All right, Texter wants to, to know, I have a, a mature Mohican viburnum, six feet tall, planted 10 years ago, that developed some dead spots last summer. Will severe pruning help reinvigorate the shrub? Boy, that's a, I think it will. Uh, we have a good publication on our website about different about rejuvenation and renovation pruning. And I would say take a look at that. Um, and you would want to prune that, after it blooms, which it would be a, probably a late spring bloomer, early summer. And uh, so I would take a look at that. Our website is extension.umn.edu and go to Yard and Garden. And under Trees and Shrubs, there's sections on maintenance and care, and there's a good publication on pruning. And I would take a look at that. Okay. Texture said they just pruned uh, an evergreen. Then many pine cones fell. You think it's still Okay. 
Oh yes, I think it is. It sounds it sounds like it's a, probably a pretty mature plant if it had a bunch of pine cones on it. Those pine cones are supposed to drop off anyway, so uh, it might have had a little bit of. You didn't say how severely you pruned it. Maybe you just took off a couple branches, uh, but that shouldn't have affected that. It could have just been the time, you know, co- kind of a coincidence that you pruned it at the time that that the pine cones were ready to drop off anyway. Okay. I don't think I'd be too worried. So somebody wants to know how to keep raccoons from eating hostas. I didn't know that raccoons ate hostas. I didn't either, I guess. I thought it was just deer. <laughs> They're too busy in my compost bin most of the time. Um, well. Fencing again? Well, I don't think so. Raccoons are quite tricky. You know, they're uh, they clever are. little buggers, and they can get into all sorts of things. Uh, I don't, I don't, I would kind of wonder if the raccoons are those that are eating the hostas and not maybe maybe deer or rabbits. And uh, so I would say, unless you've seen them out there actually pulling up the leaves and munching on them, maybe you have. Um, I've never seen that before or heard that before, but that's not to say that they don't do that. But then I would do uh, some fencing for rabbits if you haven't seen them actually eating the hosta. Okay. Julie, excuse me, we need to take a bit of a break, but we have more show to come, so don't go away. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show here on uh, News Talk A3OWCCO. Denny Long with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M answering your questions. Good morning. By phone and by text. We have both again, which is not unusual uh, given this show for sure. I'll tell you what, I, I know we've got a bunch of text messages, but we yes. we have folks hanging on the line. Let's Sounds good. Let's help them too. Brian in Minneapolis is first up here. Brian, you're on CCO. Hey, good morning. I have morning. a quick question. Um I have some arborvitae in front of my home. I trimmed them last year at the when I could do it last year. Is it a good time again this time to do it? Uh, I would wait until you see some new growth on them. So when the weather warms up and uh, and the, all you want to do with those arborvitae is, is what's called a loose shear. So you take your either you have electric or gas shear trimmer or you have the old, you know, just shears, you know, that are like big scissors. And you just want to knock mm-hmm. off, you just want to take off that new growth a little bit. And what the trick with arborvitaes is not to get too tight, not to get, not to cut too much off. Because what happens is every place that you make a cut, you're going to prompt new growth to come out from that space, from that point mm-hmm. of cut. And mm-hmm. what happens is as you get tighter in there, you get a tighter plant and the foliage becomes smaller, it becomes tighter, and there's no light getting into the rest of the plant. So if you have a snowy condition like we're going to be having with this heavy snow, you could break a branch and suddenly you have a huge hole in there. The looser sheared plants can take that and they can flex a little bit better. So it's called a loose shear. And again, you can you can just shear off those that uh, light green foliage that you see, and I would wait until spring to do that. Okay. There you go, Brian. Thank you. Brian leaves that line open at 651-989-9226. Let's go to Richfield. Elaine is there. Elaine, you are on with Julie. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. I have an amaryllis plant that I got at Christmas. Oh, nice. And it bloomed beautiful, about five blossoms. Awesome. And after that, a tall stalk, just a skinny stalk came up, about 12, 14 inches tall, and it had two blossoms. Okay. I cut that down when they got through, and now there's green shoots, those, you know, kind of broad leaves. Yep. Several of them coming and growing quickly. Now it's about five, six inches. 
do I just let it come, or does it does it need uh, dormant time? Well, amaryllis, this is your plant is behaving exactly how it should. It, it they typically will bloom first and then put up their leaves. Sometimes they do it the other way around. They'll put up leaves and suddenly they'll put up a, a blossom. Uh, so just let those leaves come up, let them grow, treat it like a house plant, leave it where it is in the sunny window. In the summer, when the weather warms up, you can put it out on your patio or deck uh, or continue to grow it in your house just as a house plant. If you want to time the next set of blooms, uh, then you would actually put that plant into a, a dormant or a resting phase where you put it into a dark location, let the leaves die back, leave it there for a couple of months, and then take it out at uh, around Christmas or so, maybe Thanksgiving, and hopefully it will bloom again. I think it's better to uh, actually keep that plant growing outside where it can really photosynthesize through its leaves and add a lot more carbohydrates to that bulb. So leaving it outside in a semi-sunny location and then uh, allowing it to grow bringing it in and just keep it growing through the year and uh, and it should uh, bloom again for you in the winter sometime. We have a great publication about amaryllis. I just wrote it. Oh, you did? <laughs> well, I wrote it last year. But it's on uh, it's on our extension.umn.edu site under the houseplant section. And it tells you all about those two things I just talked about. Very good. Yeah. Thanks, Elaine. Awesome. Appreciate that. Love amaryllis. You know, you and I were looking at, we're trying to decipher this multi-paragraph text. <laughs> it's uh, a text. long text. And is there any way we could condense what the texter is saying? So if I understand correctly from this, this texter has uh, a very shaded, heavily shaded yard, and they're having trouble growing grass under those shade trees. And they're thinking about moving the dreaded creeping Charlie. There's our question for the yeah. day. Uh, a strip of it, taking a sod cutter and actually moving it from one part of their yard where it's growing into that shaded area. Um, first of all, it is very difficult to grow grass in uh, shaded areas. We do have some shade varieties of grasses, of lawn grasses that you can you can seek out and try to use. Uh, we usually recommend that in places, particularly under trees and large trees in particular, that you mulch that area and that you plant that mulch area with shade perennials like hostas, some of our wildflowers like bloodroot, that's a great bee pollinator plant in the spring, um, uh, pulmonaria, um, ferns, whatever, and, uh, and not try to grow grass, particularly around the big roots of those trees. And part of it is that you have to mow over those roots and it, it, it can damage the roots. It can also be a real headache. If you're so inclined to grow grass, uh, then I would look for the grass species that are designed for shade. And I would talk to your, again, get a good quality grass seed. Don't skimp on it. And uh, I don't think I'd be moving your Creeping Charlie around. There are other ground covers. Pachysandra, you could plant Pachysandra. You could plant Vinca. There's other ground covers that are shade quality ground covers. I don't think I'd be moving your Creeping Charlie. Your neighbors would probably have a warrant out for you so <laughs> <Does that happen? laughs> i'll tell you what you we probably don't care <laughs> time for one more call i think from chris and shakopee chris what is your question for julie hey hey julie good morning and, morning uh, thank you for your show uh say we my wife and i have a cabin up in the northern minnesota brainerd area yep um, we love we, we like hedges we like property line distinction and we planted some arborvitaes some uh I forget the type, but it the narrow type, so they don't okay. intrude on the okay. you know the property. 
but it's it's partly sunny, partly shady. The arborvitaes uh, look like they're doing fair at best. Are there any any hedge or species that you guys recommend that might fit that mold better? Boy, I'm not. Nothing's coming to mind initially. the The problem is the shade, and so if you, uh, I usually say to recommend a fence combined with some plants to kind of soften that fence. If you uh, if you want uh, some kind of a privacy area in a in a shaded area, the problem is is evergreens are not uh, really good shade plants. Yews might be the one thing that you could plant there. Uh, they do tolerate shade. They're one of the few evergreens that do. Uh, so that would be uh, the Japanese yews. And they come in different forms. Some are spreading forms. Some are upright forms. So you can talk to your local nursery about that. Uh, but arborvitae are full sun plants. And they are going to be thin. And they're going to they're gonna eke along for a while. Uh, but they're not necessarily appropriate to a shady area, even a part shade area. They really need full sun. So I think I would look into use, and I'd look at combining that with a fence as well. All right. Julie, we have about 60 seconds to go, and okay. maybe we should kind of go back and uh, urge folks to visit the— Yeah, uh, the Arboretum. Yeah. I'm going to have the Get Growing uh, Day of Garden Workshops. That's next Saturday, and there's a lot of different ones you can sign up for. Looks like a great venue, a lot of great speakers and, and uh, instructors. And then also, uh, if you didn't get your question answered, you can go to Ask a Master Gardener on our extension site at extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden, and uh, and you can enter in. You can email in your question to our Master Gardeners, or you can visit with Master Gardeners in your uh, at your county office or out at the Arboretum. And they will be out there. Uh, they're out there on weekends at the Let's Talk Plant Desk, and they will be there next weekend at the Get Growing uh, workshops. Opportunities for a lot of help. Yeah. From those master yeah. Gardeners. Julie, you have a good week. You too. And we'll, uh, when are we going to see you again? Uh, I don't know. Don't I think know. in April. <laughs> and I know we're going to go out of the abiders playing anywhere. Not yet. Not yet. Will you let us know? When? I will. All right. Bye-bye. Very good. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.